0: The
1: truck! You are listening to wide the Truck!
2: Are you ready to truck it? Here we come in from lovely Chattanooga on a, what's kind of a take your kids to work day. I got my boys here with me. Say hi, boys.
3: Hi. hi.
2: What's up, Sebastian? How you doing? Why'd you want to come into work today? I see I was getting out of bed this morning, and um, like kind of as an aside, about a week ago, I told them they could come down to uh to the show, and then they gave me a big guilt trip this morning, so I was more than happy to bring them. They get to see how the sausage on the show is made. But you guys just recently saw a trucking movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Rise of the Beast. What did you think? Give the audience your review, Sebastian. Start with you.
3: I give it a a ten out of of Nine and a half. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. So we gotta like we gotta divide backwards. Okay. What about you?
3: Uh, I given, I given them um, hmm nine or ten.
2: Do you think our audience, the dads and moms out there, should take their kids over the holiday to go yeah, see it? Sure. It's go
3: a good see good movie. It? Yeah.
2: Should they get the popcorn truck that we got?
3: Yeah. 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 But, but I think I heard from you that it, it's a lot of money.
2: This thing, right? Yeah, well, it's like 50 bucks to get that, but you get you get a full drink in there, and you get the popcorn, so not a terrible deal.
3: Not well, a terrible deal. But, 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 but we didn't get the popcorn or the drink in there. No,
2: you didn't. Well, guys, hey, thank you so much for coming up. I know you want to eat some lunch over there, so exit stage left over here, Ronan.
3: Wait, do we need to go? Back.
2: Say hi to Mom before you leave.
3: Hi, hi Mom. And-
2: <laughs> Take it easy, guys. I'll help you get off there. Wait. You okay? Here you go. There you go. Did you have did you have something to say? Yeah. No, no, you're good. Alright, go enjoy your meal. Go enjoy uh, go enjoy your Kindles. Hi everyone, this is my Spartan helmet's falling. It's been falling all day. Been giving me trouble. All right, listen to What the Truck. Where we're a podcast that happens three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time. A little news before we start getting into guests today. By the way, guys in the back, is, is Daniel here? Somebody? Let me know. Still working on it. Okay. Well, what do we got here? Are you scrambling for the holiday for your loads? Trucker Path has a poll that came out. 55% of drivers say they're taking the time off. To confirm that, while the truck put out our own poll, about 52% of the drivers we polled said they're taking some time off. A couple of people I talked to so far have said uh, they're seeing a little bit of a rate spike. A little bit of a rate spike. So if you're looking forward to that, you want to squeeze some shippers, now's the time to do it, or we can make some good relationships. Because there was some bad news this morning. Some of you won't agree with me. But student loan payment, student loan forgiveness was shot down by the Supreme Court. Of course, people should pay their fair share. However, what this could mean for freight is that the average payment is $450 in spending that people who have loans will not be able to spend on goods that could be in your trucks. We're already in a freight recession. We're looking for catalysts to lift us up. This ain't that sign. This ain't that call signal. So it might be not until next year. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you think I'm overplaying it? I don't know. I'm curious. On today's show, though, we got a bunch going on. We got Warp. They're making a big bet on freight Tech. We're going to find out all about that. They, uh, they might charge you just a dollar a pallet if they're wrong on their bet here. Drivers hate check calls. That's why I got locates Ryan Rogers here. There's also, you know, the Silver Fox, so anytime you get him in studio, you're blessed. We got Carpenter Compliances, Rob Carpenter. You know I like strap work. He knows how to do strap work. He's the king of compliance. He's going to tell us how to get it done. And we got Fleetworthy Solutions, Mike Presche. He shares the importance of proper driver qualification management. But right now, we got Daniel, co-founder and CEO at Warp, right in the bullpen. So why don't we bring him up? Because I know he's got a big announcement. Daniel, how you doing? Hey, Dino, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you great. I hear you very well. School. All right, let's drop Daniel. Let's, hey, Ryan, let's bring Ryan Rogers up. They got to do a little tech on Daniel. He can't hear me, so let's just bring you right up. Hey, thanks for having me on. We'll text,
4: we'll text locate him. Let's move this up a little bit for you. Got it. Check. Ryan, I, I saw you just a week ago. We were down in Cleveland. Yeah, and we had the same flight, too. We were, we were pretty I high. didn't know if you were following me or not. No, well, it was I was. me a little nervous, tracking I, me. Just putting tracking Tr- on Yeah.
2: Me. But we kind of lucked out, though. Have you seen what's going on with the airlines?
4: No, I know, it's and been a mess. the, the northeast—it was, was crazy, wasn't
2: it? Well, they got the smoke in Cleveland too. There was no smoke there, but we got yep. it down here in Chattanooga anyway. Right I
4: afterwards. Know. Now we have got the rain coming in, so maybe it'll clear you out a little bit.
2: Yeah, people have been to Chattanooga. When it rains here, it's it's, it's serious boring. serious business. Well, hey, tell me a little bit about what's going on with Texas. Okay, we Let's actually start in Cleveland. What did you okay. think of the event?
4: I thought it was great. I always, I'm a big fan. I always enjoy the events. I think, and I don't know what the odds are on this, but at some point we should do a poll on who's been to every Freight Waves event. I think I've been.
2: Have, were you even at Carpet Waves? That
4: predates. I don't me. know about that. I think it
2: was like the 2018. Is one.
4: that the one? Yeah, in Atlanta. No, I think right? it was
2: Dallas. Atlanta was my Oh, first I was one at Dallas one too. It was a good time.
4: Okay, yeah. So it was really good though. Um, the turnout, the actual, the facilities and the setup was really nice. I thought it was great how you could add, you know, all the exhibit hall area and then you could just bounce right into the sessions. And then Cleveland was nice. The event over at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The weather was perfect. The event sure. was great. It was a good turnout. Really I enjoyed having it.
2: A, having a baseball or sports stadium, especially baseball, because baseballs were sort of like cheap. So even if like people aren't yeah. really fans, they can go, go do for something. Cheap with the Guardians? You went, game. right? It Did it you go fantastic. one night or two nights? Just one night. The night with the walk off.
4: I heard some walk-off. people win a couple of times.
2: I, I, I wouldn't blame him. You could have gone yeah. the next night. It was, But you would have missed Hard Rock, so I don't know how... Smart yeah, I know. That. I liked hey. the
4: Hard Rock. It was good.
2: Well, hey, when I was there, you approached me and you said, I like this poll that you put out. Can you show that poll right now, this text poll? That one? Yeah, thank you. And on here, what I was doing was asking the driver community that, that follows us, how they like to be communicated with. Do they like to have tracking? Do they like to have check calls? Do they
4: like to have both? Do they like to have neither? I mean, obviously, neither was the most popular one. Which is uh, what we found. But it's surprising, kind of. I mean, you know, they're expected to do a professional job. It's because, surprisingly, they would say neither. Yeah. However, for us, that's really where, um, you know, I found the niche with Text Locate, which, by the way, we're just uh, shy of officially two years old tomorrow. So um, what we found was um, it's not just the check call. It's the... It's, it's making it easy for the drivers because right now, you know, you're having to pound, pound the phones to call drivers. So, you know, we make it simple via text. We also have the, you know, full collaboration with two-way chat, image capture, things like that. So I, when I saw that poll, I was like, that's a perfect poll for what we are seeing is to make it simple, make it easy, and drivers want to, you know, collaborate. But I've been in the industry about 24 years now, um, and when I originally came in the industry, the drivers wanted you to call them. Like, I say want to. They enjoyed it because they have a conversation. They had typically, like, just a, you know, brick phone or a flip phone or something like that. But now drivers don't want to really do that. They prefer the text um, interaction because of the fact that it's so easy and simple. They're already communicating with their family members that way and have plenty of, like, entertainment and things like that that they can watch on their phone. So it makes it short and Really simple and very straightforward. Yeah, I mean, only 7.4% like check calls, and all the comments under yeah. check
2: calls were, were people just bashing it. They said, don't call me, especially if you already got track on the load. That tends to like really, exactly. really piss people off because they're already being under. So how does TextLocate improve upon that? Why would this make a driver's experience better?
4: Well, we actually complement the um, the apps in the market. So um, when we look at it, so if a driver's already on an app, then you know, use our tools to make it easier from a collaboration perspective. If um, for some reason, if there's a driver that doesn't want to use the apps um then use our text capability to do that as a response but the reason drivers like it is um it's quick easy it pops right up usually that's on what's on their front screen with a messaging app and typically like when i saw actually went down to another conference a few months ago and quite a bit of drive through atlanta and stuff and a lot of drivers i mean i think the impression is that most drivers have their headsets on yeah but they really don't now Um, i feel like we used to see it more often but now you know, kind of looking over and taking kind of um, our own little poll, we see that drivers aren't using a headset. So now they don't even want to have phone calls. And there's so much spam calls now. Sure. You don't know what the number, no- like if if they don't have that number programmed in for the customer that they're hauling for, that broker, they don't know where it's coming. They think it's a car warranty or who knows what. Well, you, you
2: talk about tracking, too. What about eye tracking? A lot of people driving with inward cams now, too. So you start mm-hmm. calling. A lot of these drivers can't take calls right. when they're driving. So you're blowing up their phone. They're just getting more and more anxiety down the road, but they can't get back to you until they pull over anyway
4: with your solution. What happens? Well, they can actually, you know, we want them to be safe. So we don't want them sitting there texting from the drug yeah. by any means, but you know, with voice to text, they can just click and respond back. So it makes it simple to do that. Also, if you think about it, you don't get into a long conversation. What we recommend is ask a very short and pointed question. Have you arrived yet? You're looking for the yes or no. You're looking for an easy response to the driver. Don't put four or five questions in one text, make it easy. I always say it's kind of like with my kids. Hey, do you want to eat dinner tonight? Okay. Yes or no. Where do you want to go? One of these two places. Um, you know, something like that, make it as simple as possible, and drivers like that, because we want them to be safe. You know, I've come from an asset-based background uh, in my career, and you know the thing we need is safe safety on the road and drivers being paying attention. Um, so with the text, we also don't expect them to respond immediately. I think in my personal opinion, and I was in a situation like this, if you get a phone call, it feels more urgent, yeah. than a text. like text you can respond. When it's safe and when it's appropriate versus a phone call, you're like, okay, wait, who's calling me? What could they need? What could they want from me? Versus a text, you can be very pointed and ask that question, and it can read that out aloud to a a driver, and they could say, oh, I can just do that one. You know, because a lot of things we do is, like, reminders, like, don't forget to check your reefer temperature at your next stop. Hey, when you get to the next stop, give us an update, you know, kind of what's going on, so that you get a little bit of a touch point. You know, I always say we're trying to appeal to the driver's EQ.
2: Let me, let me ask you something. So you kind of mentioned something interesting there. You used to be with Covenant, right? Yeah. When did this idea for Text Locate come come together? Was it, well, you're still at Covenant and looking at problems that were already happening within there and you had your solution? Or or what was like the genesis of Text Locate?
4: I think it was a little bit of a build cycle. Um, you know, when I was at US Express for many years and ran their brokerage for a period of time, and then I was at Amazon on the procurement side, and then Covenant kind of, you know, I launched this after uh, transitioning out of Covenant. And I think it was a buildup of that is, Uh, my awareness hit that, hey, we're struggling to get these check calls completed and the process of them. And if you think about it, you're working a list and you kind of go to the next person on the list. And then if that person doesn't answer, you go to the next one and then you got to some kind of circle back. So I just, it resonated of all that accumulation. I was like, there's really a need for this. And then um, after I left Covenant, I was trying to explore some other opportunities and I thought I really would like to start my own business. And I think there is a Need for this in the industry, um, and the idea, and I've got a couple of um, partners on the engineer side, and we kind of put something together, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to go all in and see if we can uh, bring this to market if it makes sense." And we had great feedback right out of the gate, because it is simple and easy. How did you find your
2: first few clients?:
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. <coughs> Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail.
4: Old school. Old school, pounding the phones, calling people I've worked with in the past or calling people that I've met at conferences, calling, pitching the idea literally from the desk, you know, a little desk at my house. And I just started making phone calls and um, shooting text and sure. emails and saying, hey, um, what I officially did was I kind of launched the business on LinkedIn, you know, just said, hey, we're showing our presence. And then um, a lot of emails, a lot of texts, a lot of phone calls and a lot of no's. You know, no, 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 no thanks or, you know, um, no response from people, you know, kind of thing. And and everybody's busy. It's a tough thing to do. But getting it off the ground was obviously the hardest part. Um, but a determination, persistence, you know, that's one thing, how it
2: worked. One thing I love that that you do is, you know, flying especially to a new city can be such a pain in the ass. And. Is there going to be an Uber? Is this? And you're always at the van. You're always at Chattanooga Airport just picking people up. Oh, yeah, happy. we like, have. Yeah, city.
4: freight waves. You know, that's, that's kind of one of the things we did last uh, last year for the event. It was a lot of fun. We did. We, we had a little shuttle service.
2: What's been your hardest day as a founder so far?
4: Hardest day?
2: You've come because you've, you've started like, not that this like market's ever normal, but like right. it's just been especially tumultuous over the past couple of years.
4: years. Uh, two, one is when you have a, obviously when you have a customer contact you and say, Hey, we can't. You know, we're gonna you know discontinue services. We haven't had a lot of that, but we get churned just like most people do um, in the business. That's a hard day because when you're building this yourself, we're very much we're bootstrapped. I mean, I'm on most of the calls um, from the very beginning it hurts. I mean, it's like losing a friend, you know what I mean? Like you're, because of, you know, whether the circumstance, it could be financial for that person, it could be that, you know, it just wasn't a fit at that particular time. Cause some of those customers actually come back that have had more time uh, to reevaluate things, or maybe it was more appropriate in their business model, but losing a customer is the, by far the hardest day. I mean, I can take no's, um, you know, like the best of them, the best I can, but when you lose a customer that you uh, built a relationship with and you poured all your soul into, yeah. and everyone matters. I mean, we have totally different pricing plans. We're dealing with brokers from uh, two-person operation to uh, multi-billion dollar operations. And I promise you, everyone hurts. Doesn't matter the size because you care. I mean, it, this is the business we're building, and you care. For, you want to make sure that they're, um, you know, the customer supports there, and that you've treated them right, and you've done all those things. Um, and we're luckily we're able to bounce back with some activity and show some additional features and functionality. And you know, our product is month to month. We typically don't have long term contracts, and I always say I've got to earn your business and keep your business, and that's what we strive for every day.
2: It, it's it's funny because. There are people out here who when FreightWaves calls the market or puts out a bad report, they'll be like, you guys are manipulating the market. No, we're not. We're using sonar data, and we're making projections with that, and they're clearly they're detailed, and we use charts. Yeah. We don't want the market to be bad. None of us do in this space. No. I mean, it's a, it's a supply chain of everything. Right. And when the market goes down, the market's suppressed. There's less money for advertising. There's less money for sponsorships. There's less money for SaaS. There's less money for a texting park. So you got to fight harder. You, you do knife fight out there no
4: absolutely that's what I tell my team every day um, you know can't give up you got to fight harder I know a lot of our clients are fighting harder uh, right now and we're all doing that because it is it is a little bit tougher market and it's definitely an impact we kind of went from some high highs to some low lows and um, it seems like things are trending back in the right direction I talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people in the industry and it seems like things are starting to come back a little bit um, you mentioned your team.
2: I noticed yeah, you've been
4: growing. We have, and
2: it's hard not to, because come on up here for a minute, introduce yeah. yourself, sir. Let's see what, let's see what your coworkers have to say about you.
4: Oh gosh, now you're putting me, put me really on this Spartan spot.
2: helmet on you. Let's put the yeah. Spartan
4: helmet on you. That's great. Spartan's a customer. Oh yeah.
2: Introduce yourself. A, oh talk. yeah. Oh, you look.
4: People won't know him. Yeah. Introduce uh, yourself in to our
2: lovely audience. Yeah, I'm Andrew. I'm uh, newly on with Locate
4: connected with Ryan, and um, it's been a great friend ever since. And uh, you know, he's a friend of those uh, customers but also a friend to uh, all of us as well and so great boss to have around and, yeah it's been fun
2: what did he so. say to lure you in
4: uh he he was um, coercive uh maybe <laughs> maybe free water or something you know like, yeah, yeah, yeah like a good yeah. tech startup, free, free you know? beer in the fridge yeah yeah a little mini fridge yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff, stuff like that a death in there or something yeah, yeah. whatever it takes yeah, you need, you need, like, a strap for this helmet. You do need a strap, in, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're going to go, like, it's a little it's heavy. You're yeah. jump into war. That's, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah Maybe yeah, you exactly. should start wearing that on demos to help, you know, close, yeah, close the deals. Yeah, close some deals, yeah.
2: So now that you're growing the team, what, what like, what's the plan? What's the plan with, with him and his staff? Because, uh, you're what, are you two years in now? Three years? Two years.
4: Two years. Yeah, just right at it. Two, two years tomorrow. Um, it's continued to, you know, obviously we want to be, bring products to the market that are market fit, that our customers like. We're always taking, like, when we build new products, it's based on customer demand and request. Um, and as far as growth, we now have, um, we're still small. We're a team of five, uh, or five on the sales side, total of 10. Um, and you know, we want that family group atmosphere. We all work together in the office and, you know, we give each other a hard time. I mean, they, they poke fun of me, oh, I yeah. poke fun of them and we're, we're trying to have a good culture that's building a very nice product for both co- our customers and our drivers. To make it simple we actually just did a driver drawing on engagement um we called up and we were like hey you know you've won kind of the prize we gave them like a 50 dollars walmart card and just said thank you for using the product and got good feedback so we truly um when i you know the mission on this that i i built was to you know we want to be the text enabler to the industry and we just want to make it easy between you know the freight brokers on the floor having easy communication with drivers and drivers enjoying it and appreciate so just creating that connective tissue that people appreciate and really like
2: well as you saw drivers hate check calls make your drivers happy make your fleets happy make yourself happy don't deal with all the stress if they want to text locate you ryan where do i send
4: them all they have to do well they can either uh, just shoot shoot a message text me on my personal phone 423-667-0260 we like Tex or Ryan at textlocate.com and then easy information on our website at textlocate.com. You're brave for putting that number out to this We office. do. Hey, I put it on te- I put it on LinkedIn. We we'll, hey, when you're building a business. You can connect with it. What you, you got to do. Out We're out. serious. Yeah. Well, hey, it was Snapchat. Really nice
2: Thank you so much for time on the
4: show. Appreciate Best it. of luck working with the yeah, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for and having man, us nice on. By too.
2: We appreciate it. Take care. Stay uh stay safe in that rain or stay dry out there. Yeah, it is a little oh. wet out there. Nah, he's all right. I'll get him later. Here, we'll That's try to help out a little bit. He's already dead anyway. Thanks, sir. Oh wait, one qu- I have one question for you guys. One question. Show this greatest American hero thing. Sorry, it's the 4th of July. Like we got to be a little bit festive right here. Who is the greatest American hero of all time? And it's a weird list and it's from Four Loco. I didn't even know Four Loco was still a thing, but it says Captain America, Dolly Parton, Mel Gibson in The Patriot, you got Kenny Powers, you got Will Smith in Independence Day, you got Rocky, Maverick or Jack Bauer.
4: I don't or you can know. pick your
2: own. Maybe, you can you could pick maybe, your own. Maybe Rocky. You got Rocky on that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm gonna go for American Rocky. grit. Yes. You got i am I'm I'm gonna go with Maverick. I would get I think. Maverick. Yeah. It'd be hard not to. Yeah, I know. He's I especially know, like Rachel, with the new movie, yeah. like. Yeah, it's unmatched. Yeah. Got to go, Maverick. All right. Yeah. Come, uh, we got two votes for Maverick here and
3: one for Rocky. Oh,
2: Smart yeah. move, guys. Take take it easy. All right. Meanwhile.
3: Have you ever wondered what it's like to sail across the ocean? Well, come with us and find out. We're currently crossing the Indian Ocean on a 7,000 mile, 17 day voyage from Cape Town to Singapore. Out in the middle of the ocean, there's a whole lot of nothing. So, you've got to make up your own fun. Most of our time is spent catching up on maintenance, doing drills and safety tasks. But we always find time to cram in a barbecue or a few movie nights. The deep sea experience really does depend on what type of person you are, and so you'll normally find two types of sailors. Some really enjoy being out in the middle of nowhere, thousands of miles away from the hustle and bustle of land life. It really is a unique adventure, quite unlike anything else. And so, for some people, me included, the monotony can prove pretty challenging. Because to be honest, I miss people, civilization, culture, good internet, and the excitement of waking up in the morning and coming into a new port there is one thing though and that is that every single day i'm lucky enough to see the most incredible sunrise and sunsets but most of all you learn how to appreciate the little things in life
2: hey guys i might need a, an emergency earpiece up here so if someone in the back can get me an earpiece that would be awesome my box is not transmitting sound it just it just crapped out so if you could you could run out here that would be awesome really need one so I can hear the rest of the show. Sorry for a second. Bear with me. I'll tell you guys, our building got struck by lightning. I don't know if I told you guys this last show. Our building, when we were out in Cleveland, it got struck by lightning. And uh, let's see here. Yeah, let's hope this one works. My team's hooking me up over here. Let's make sure this is good. Apologize for this. Bear with me for one second. Here, folks. I need to be able to hear Daniel. It won't be a very good interview if I, I don't know what he's saying. All right, Fraser, can you give me a little sound real quick? Check. All right, sounds good. All right. Daniel from Warp, he had some technical difficulties. I had some technical difficulties, but I think we got it resolved.
5: Yeah, how's it going, Tim? Can you hear me okay?
2: Yeah, you sound great now. I was I was a little nervous for a second. All of a sudden, my, my piece just went dead, and I'm like, this will not be a good interview if I have no idea what this man is saying. Where are you? Where <laughs> are, are you the
5: right? For me, is Dolly Parton.
2: Oh yeah, yo, Dolly. I didn't. Well, I mean, is she even a character? was like fictional characters. Then you got Dolly Parton, so that was an interesting throw-up right there. <laughs> where, where are That's you right fun. now, Daniel? You guys are you guys are in sunny SoCal, aren't you? Yeah,
5: we're in SoCal. Right behind us is a virtual background, <laughs> so this is over in Palm Springs, actually, uh, about 100, 120 miles away from our office. Uh, but you know, we're working from home today in the morning, so uh, decided to shoot you guys with a nice kind of backdrop. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, you know, I I got some news from you guys that you're going to put out this big announcement. You're making a big bet on Freight Tech, and you were kind of calling some people out too, and it was it was just a little spicy. So I said I got to have Daniel on to tell us all about it. So bring us into your world. What's this new announcement? And, and tell me all about it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So you know. Uh and Tim, we've talked before, so as you've known, we've been working on a big LTL push in our, in our business, right? We've taken the past year and a half of our business to go out, first of all, build a lot of the initial infrastructure, right? So understanding how the loads come into the system, going out, getting drivers assigned, communicating digitally with drivers, making sure we're getting text message updates, you know, things like that. And really over the past six months or so, we've been going out and kind of building out the next level of our technology. And a lot of that has been associated with what kind of our early pitches were, A dynamic freight network right what we've done successfully is go out and build out a large network of crosstalk facilities and carriers of different sizes from cargo vans straight trucks 53 footers we've also started exploring different modes of transportation including rail air uh you know a couple of other kind of things that we got going on too um from our perspective now, um, we're taking a big bet on ourselves. Um, we've we personally feel we've built out you know a lot of great LTL capabilities. We're going head to head with LTL carriers within local areas for now, um, and we've been super successful at it so far. We've had a super high on time pickup, on time delivery rate. Our customers have been very enthusiastic about getting pick up you know getting goods picked up by us and going out and getting them delivered by us. We've been very flexible around appointment times we've been making those appointments also which is super important um, and now we've been you know in a very under the uh, under the radar type of way scaling our operations to large metro areas across the country and so at this point we're live our LTL program is live in Southern California, Texas, Tri-state area, Chicago and, and Florida. Um, And it continues to get bigger, it continues to expand. We're planning to add about five to 10 more markets over the next two months. And really what we're doing is we're offering a local same day and next day LTL pilot program. And we're taking a big bet on ourselves in terms of being able to optimize it, being able to go out and schedule accordingly with the different shippers, with the receivers, and make sure that we're not just on time uh, for pickup and delivery, but we're also providing a high quality of service, making sure the goods are arriving without any damage and making sure that you know the, the, the receiver is going out and getting it in a format that works for them. Um, we're big believers in digital manifest. That doesn't mean that we don't provide a physical one, right, for those yeah. who need it. Um, we're also big believers in going out and connecting all the pieces of our technology to provide one flow uh, for each shipment going into our system and making sure that a shipper, regardless of if, if it's LTL or FTL, has a seamless experience throughout. So, so the well, delivery in so, program for yeah. us...
2: Yeah, I was going to ask, how does the delivery optimization experience work? Like, give us the elevator on that.
5: Yeah, so basically what's happening is that um, our APIs are constantly getting hit with shipment requests. Sometimes they'll be within a service area of ours. Sometimes we'll go out and provide a price back. It depends on availability. It depends on the number of parameters that we set within our system. Um, if all lights align, aka the shipper sees us within a 3PL platform or, or within our own coding mechanism, um, we provide pricing back and it's pricing that they like. They go ahead and book that freight. From that moment, we're digitally reaching out to the pickup location, and so we're going out and scheduling appointments or confirming them if we've received them before. Uh, we're going out and scheduling the drivers to pick up, uh, and we're automatically right-sizing capacity, right? So, depending on all the shipments that we have in that area for the day, we're choosing what kind of fleet to go out and deliver it on, whether those are cargo vans, box trucks, 53-footers, whether it's a combination of those or multi-stop on some of those also. We're going out and doing dynamic routing to figure out how do we pick up as as efficiently as possible. Um, Obviously, accounting for time windows for pickups and things like that. How do we go out and bring that back to our cross-dock network um, as efficiently as possible? And then how do we go out and schedule delivery from there as efficiently as possible? So again, we're going out, we're confirming delivery appointments, we're reaching out, we're giving shippers, uh, sorry, receivers different availability windows and doing a dynamic routing both on that first mile and the last mile. As we continue to expand our network to actually go out into different regions and start going coast to coast or region to region. We would be doing a first mile, middle mile and last mile optimization. And it's kind of the similar concept, right? We're trying to go out and utilize the best resources that we can as wisely as we possibly can while meeting our shippers service requirements and the SLEs that they're setting with us and beating expectations. Right. I think that's the most important.
2: This chili needs more spice. Who are you calling out?
5: I think we're, um, right now what we're doing is we're calling out all the full truckload brokers, right? I think what we're done, we're, we're a little bit sick and tired of hearing the same old coming from full truckload brokers, especially in like the whole freight tech space. It's not that hard. It took us months you know, to go out and create a system that can go out, take a shipment in or an order in via an API, dispatch that out to a carrier, and then go out and, and make sure that the carrier is picking up and delivering. That technology is super simple, it's super easy. We've seen companies get up to billions of dollars of valuations on something that's as simple as an Uber app, right? And on our perspective, what we really wanna see in freight is we wanna see a capability to actually go out and change the way that freight moves, right? Provide savings for shippers, not just because you find a cheaper driver on that particular day, right? Help them go out and understand how to change their network and how their logistics operates. Um, Find opportunities for them where you can do consolidation from inbound, um, consolidate movement in between their facilities that are not just point-to-point transfers, right? Like we've really taken a stab Uh, going out, understanding our shipper supply chains, figuring out where in every single piece of that supply chain there can be room for optimization. That optimization can be a digital one in in terms of multi-stop, appointment scheduling, like I mentioned earlier, first mile, last mile, middle mile routing. Or it can be a physical consolidation in the sense of let's bring that freight over to a cross dock facility. Let's hold it there for a few days, wait for some other stuff to consolidate and then go out and deliver it in that way. And so what we've really done is like taken a great model, which is LTL, right? LTL is a great hub and spoke model and put it on steroids. Right. And I think, I think, you know, that's, uh, you know, I don't want to give hats off to us yet, um, just because, again, we're rolling this out across the whole nation and, and you know, in and, and Canada and Mexico as well. And so, you know, we're coming at that fast. But I think at the same time, full truckload tech enabled brokers are nothing but an Uber app, you know, and at this point we're we're sick and tired of hearing the same old, same old from them. Like, let's go out, team up as an industry, and actually help shippers together. Let's reduce inflation. Let's go out and make sure that customers and receivers are getting better delivery windows, better cost for delivery. Let's make sure carriers are getting paid faster. Like, let's actually benefit things rather than making an Uber app out there that we just want to advertise.
2: Let me ask you something important. You're in the LTL space, and there is a Pretty dire situation going on over at Yellow. They actually just sent a letter to Biden. They're looking for another bailout. The Teamsters uh, have been very heated with them. It's not looking good over there. Who knows what will happen? Do you have a Do you have a take on this? And what would happen if, if Yellow went away? Would that impact LTL poorly, or, or would we be okay? To be honest, I
5: think we'd be okay, right? I, like, uh, um, from our perspective, I, I mean, like, speaking in a biased format here, it's better for Warp if Yellow shuts down. Right. I mean, it's not like that. Let's let's all be honest here. Right. There's yeah. more volume that we're able to get. We can go out and carve out a large piece of the market very quickly. Um, so on our side, it's you know go Teamsters. Right? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, look, I think that it's it's hard. Right. Like these labor union negotiations are happening across the board right now. We saw that happening in Long Beach. We see it happening with UPS and Parcel. So overall, it's 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 tense. Right. And I think these are there's a lot of posturing that's happening out there. You know, Teamsters are going out, they're defending their side. The Yellow and it's kind of, you know, all, all of its different companies are defending their side. Um, but look, if they shut down, it'd be better for Warp. I think for the industry, it'd be better for the industry too. Um, at this point in time, there's too many legacy players out there. We're in the middle of a recession, um, both the freight recession and just a general economic recession. And there needs to be innovation, and I think when companies shut down and you know need to restructure and things need to be reformatted and assets need to be reused or figure out different ways to use them, it's only better for the shipper. And on, honestly, like our number one is are, are the shippers. Like we we represent our shippers. So um, my take it's it's better for Warp, it's better for shippers, um, but let's see what happens. Maybe it's all just a bunch of posturing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to look at that company and see a great outcome when their stock is down to like sixty-five cents, as it is right now. Their market cap is, I think, forty million. They just got a seven hundred million-dollar loan two years ago. Their market cap's forty million. They need more. I don't know. The the industry does need some bloodletting. You never want to see people lose jobs, but I think you make some uh, cromulent points there, sir. Now people want to work with you. They want to try this out. They want to say, "Hey, I think Warp ain't going to do it. I'm going to pay a dollar a pallet." How do they connect with you?
5: So they can find us on the majority of 3PLs that are out there right now. We're integrated with a number of 3PL companies. They can find Warp listed within those platforms. They can go online onto our website at wearewarp.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-W-A-R-P.com. Uh, they can send me an email, Daniel at wearewarp.com, or I'll go out and throw my phone number out there. <laughs> to at 323-974-5003. So high risk but give us a call if you guys want to go out and prove us wrong
2: <laughs> very cool well, hey enjoy the fourth of july have a great weekend say hi to the whoop team for me and uh thanks for coming on the show today
5: cool thank you guys have a good weekend happy Ta- friday guys
2: take it easy all right elsewhere get a flower what is this i would like a parrot were there truckers with parrots i asked this before i only found like two that like rode around with parrots I think if I was a truck driver, I would definitely have a parrot. But the only bad thing about parrots is they live like 75 years. So it's a big, big commitment. I don't know if my next guest has ever had a parrot before, but he knows a lot about a lot. His name is Michael Prechet. He is the CEO at Fleet Worthy Solutions. Morning. <laughs> What's up? How are you doing today? How are things? It's pouring out here in Chattanooga. We had that hazy uh, smoke yesterday.
6: Yeah, we had the smoke yesterday and and hot and humid for Wisconsin, so summer usually lasts about three days, so it should be over in a couple days. Not going good, not going good. Well, what's new over at Fleetworthy? Well, first, I'm feeling left. You know, i got to change. i got to wear a hat next time I come on your show. I was looking at your former guests, and, you know, you're all wearing hats. I need to sport a hat the next time I'm on with you. Yeah, just put a QR
2: code on it, throw it on your head. People can scan the screen, and they can make it right over to your website. Exactly. You know, I saw some interesting statistics that you had just posted on LinkedIn. And it said five statistics that will guide your claim and injury focus as a motor carrier. And it said at least 39% of large truck occupants were killed in crashes, were not wearing a seatbelt. That one, like, stuck out to me because we put a poll out to the What the Truck audience a couple weeks ago asking drivers if they didn't wear seatbelts. And it was, like, like yeah, it was, it was around 25 to 30% of our audience that said they didn't wear seat, And I was like, why? <laughs> it made no sense to me.
6: Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. But, you know, with all the regulatory pressure, seatbelts isn't one that seems to be um, being being looked at a lot. Well, that's one way to to
2: to to work on a uh, driver risk mitigation. What, what about company risk
6: mitigation? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think one thing that I that I point out is I think a lot of people are are misconstruing, you know, trying to stop accidents and make sure accidents don't occur on the roadways versus risk mitigation right so every carrier every person doesn't want to see an accident occur Uh, when we talk about risk mitigation we we want to to help our carriers and our customers make sure that they can prove that you know they're taking all the steps needed to make sure that their their drivers are safe and they're contributing to making sure the roads are safer what are some of those methods what are some of those those steps that they can take So, you know, they need to show that they understand their regulations and that they're proactively taking steps to show that they have a culture that takes safety seriously. Um, You know, it starts with making sure that you have good records so that when that accident occurs and a plaintiff attorney is trying to race towards proving negligence, you know, we're showing that it's it's not negligence, it's just an accident, right? And and what you need is a a foundation and a, a historical foundation that shows that you do all the things that are necessary to make sure that that driver that's in that commercial vehicle is doing all the right things, and an accident is just that—something that was unfortunate and and couldn't be helped.
2: Do you think that fleets need to yeah. use like the full suite of the outward camera, the inward camera, all the tracking, and all that? Is that is that a big part of the of that program too, and being best in class?
6: Yeah, I think carriers need to have you know a group of people that are focusing on emerging technology and and making sure that. They're making decisions on things that will actually make make an impact on them being a safer carrier. Um, there's a lot of different uh, approaches you can take. At Fleetworthy, we, we feel that, uh, that they, we need to become a more proactive industry rather than reactive. So we're always trying to do things that, you know, how can we feed you data that allows you to make proactive decisions to, you know, keep your drivers safe and anyone on the roadway with your drivers. What's the difference between company risk mitigation and public risk mitigation? So, you know, public risk mitigation are, are things that, you know, whether it's drug testing or, or hours of service and, and, you know, the the FMCSA and the government saying, what are things that we can do to make sure that, you know, our carriers of, of all sizes are doing the right things to make sure they're putting, you know, um, qualified drivers on the road and they're, they're doing things to make, to mitigate, you know, bad accidents and and things. Um, You know, company risk mitigation is, you know, how do I create, you know, a foundation that shows that, you know, we're, we're constantly doing things to improve, you know, the safety of our drivers. um, And that takes, you know, a lot of time. So they're, they're reacting to regulatory changes, but trying to figure out how do we react to those changes in a way that's actually logical and is actually going to, you know, help make the road safer. You know, I look at hours of service. Hours of service is a great program, but the reality is if a driver gets into the cab uh, to start, you know, their shift, then they're fatigued or they're in some sort of crisis. You know, hours of service rules is not going to help that. No, it's so, uh, you not.
2: Know. <laughs> I was going to say it's funny because it, the the um, DOT, they put out a report about like two months ago about ELDs and they're like, yeah, we're still not sure if, um, if they're really preventing anything. Uh, What is your, what is your, I mean, obviously you got to use the ELDs, right? But how do you make sure the driver, because beyond the computer, the computer doesn't know how the driver actually feels. Like, how do you, how do you make sure that's accounted for?
6: Yeah. So I I think if the goal is safety, you know, yes, there's equations about how many, how much time you should drive, how much time you should be in the sleeper berth, all those things. But, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out ways to, how can we monitor that, that driver real time, making sure that there is no crises or fatigue situations That have nothing to do with the number of hours that person's been driving. Uh, Maybe it's things that occurred before they got in the cab, illness, you know, crisis at home. So the more and more we can benchmark and keep track of how people are doing real time, I think, you know, that's the goal. That's the path to getting to safer roads.
2: What about speed limiters? I thought this was interesting. And I'm not sure if this is a big number or a low number. It said speed was a factor in 36% of CMV crashes. I would think speed would be higher, but maybe not, maybe not.
6: Yeah. And, and, you know, high speed could be one aspect of the problem, but I, you know, I think there's probably many other things that, you know, you could look at and, and come to a lot of different conclusions. Right. Um, but is it speed limiters? You know, is it, you know, there's a lot of different things you could look at. Should we be segmenting, segmenting the roadways to get commercial vehicles maybe in a different lane of travel than, um, you know, small vehicle. I mean, I think there's a lot of approaches. The question is what's, you know, what's the right one?
2: Yeah. Well, what, what, what is so speaking of right approaches, what is the best way to manage your DQ files?
6: So to us, we, we, we take a three-legged stool approach. And so what we, what I mean by that is, you know, we think we have a, a leading technology to make it easy for our, our customers to consume data, make sure it's accurate, uh, and make sure we're giving them, um, Uh, dashboards and things that they can benchmark. But we also have, you know, a staff of subject matter experts that are monitoring changes in rules, uh, doing real-time audits of documents and things um, so that, you know, we know that when a a file is supposed to be um, proper and per the regs, we, we know that it is, both technologically and with a human set of eyes. And then the last thing is, you know, I've said this before, there's this uneven situation when you look at carriers they have trucks that are highly technical and they're getting they're advancing technologically almost every day and then they have back offices that are is lagging right still using spreadsheets papers as400s green screens and things so it's it's a it's a hard situation to really consume that data and analyze it if you don't have a place for it so you know we say leverage our product that's in the cloud let us take all that data lay that data beside one another, and then create actionable, you know, tasks and, and work requests so that our carriers are proactively doing the right things. You know, thefts
2: go up during the holidays, uh, cargo thefts, and I was curious, does, does, does safety oversights go up during the holidays as well? We got the fourth coming up, and it falls weird this year, it falls on a Tuesday, so a lot of people are already out of office. I don't know if you've emailed anybody today, but since yesterday, people have just been gone.
6: Well, I think there there are a lot of different trends, but you can say, say holidays and things, but You know, let's go back to that that hours of service, you know, um, regulations, you know, does do people make bad decisions when they are closer to home and running out of time? I mean, it's not just it's not just holidays and things. It's what's happening in a driver's life that makes them maybe push the push the edge because, hey, I'm close to home. I'm I'm close to running out of time. I want to make the decision to get home. Right. So I think there's a lot of factors that change the decisions that are being made in the cab. Not just holidays, but things that are happen, happening for that driver personally.
2: Now, let me ask you before I let you go. I've been asking everybody today who is the greatest American character of all time? Show them this one here. We got Captain America, Dolly Parton, uh, Mel Gibson from The Patriot, Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down. We got Will Smith in Independence Day. You got Rocky on there. You've got Maverick and you got Jack Bauer. No question, it's Jack Bauer. Yeah. Jack, easy, easy one. You didn't even hesitate. You were like, I already, my, I went right to him. He's the man. He's the man. Well, hey, people who want to be the man, they want to go beyond compliant,
6: they want to work with you, where do I send them to? Go to www.fleetworthy.com. Plethora of information there that you can tap into uh, and get in touch with, you know, either one of our subject matter experts in our client services department that I think is best in the business or any of our salespeople will be happy to talk to you about all the things that we're doing to try to help make the road safer.
2: You have a happy and safe holiday weekend. Take care, sir. You as well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Throw the fireworks before they explode, right? Don't want that to happen. Now we got Rob Carpenter, president at Carpenter Compliance. Rob, we kind of warm the seat up with you. You're like the king of compliance. Fleetworthy's big on compliance. I think you guys are even like doing. A, you shared like a webinar that Fleetworthy's doing. I think on, on LinkedIn I just saw. Uh, so we're gonna continue a little bit of that safety conversation. Before I do, you got any fourth plans?
7: I have no fourth plans. You know, it's kind of odd. We're in Yorktown, like the the foundation of the united states basically and i have no plans wow
2: they got like a parade or anything maybe some fireworks you can go see oh yeah yeah
7: we have we have huge huge parades and all that but my kids are just like dad do we have to go to this so you know you you know the life you you kind of got to acclimate to what they want to do and what they don't want to do so (laughs) kind of work with that
2: no, I I know the feeling. You know, we're, you and I are kind of like uh, strap work kindred spirits. You know, you, I, you have a more, much more serious take than I do on it. But I'm always amazed by what I see on the road. You're always amazed by what you see on the road. But before we jump in all that, what's carpenter compliance? What do you all do?
7: So basically, I just consult. Uh, I do a lot of um, compliance consulting, risk control consulting for captives, insurance groups. Uh, it's, it's mostly insurance groups. And that's... Um, that pretty much is the gist of that. But we our focus tries to be on defensive based programs and encouraging defensive based programs, so that it's kind of like what Michael said. You can be compliant, but you could still face exposure at the same time. And uh, we just want to make sure that carriers understand and 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 companies that are insured by um, or that we do risk control for understand that um, exposure is real. So be compliant. So
2: when you work with these clients, are you, you, when you go in there, is it a mess a lot of times or are you like, whoa, these are like violation after violation. This is safety problem. Like where are are like carriers and fleets failing in terms of this?
7: Well, I think it actually got a little bit worse because, you know, carriers are feeling real squeeze financially. And one of the first things to go is always those non-revenue producing expenditures like um, high dollar safety directors and systems that maybe we could manage this a less expensive way. So it's hit and miss. You get some that are absolutely abysmal uh, that really have no knowledge base whatsoever. And I think that was one good thing about the new entrant program, but you walk into some and you would think that the DOT manages them. I mean, they're so compliant um, and they're so exposure focused that, you know, you you really have nothing to worry about in those cases, but I'd say that more often than not, they're, they're middle of the road. So they're kind of taking that operational perspective into uh, consideration when they manage safety, which I don't always like, but coming from somebody who drove and owned a company, I get, um, I understand it. But, um, at the, at the end of the day, you really have to look out for the exposure piece. Um, and that's, that's generally my focus.
2: Interesting. Are any of them like maliciously compliant, like (laughs) compliant to like a a fault or weaponizing their compliance to their own detriment?
7: I don't know that I would say that. Um, I mean, sometimes I think, I think some of them go overboard. Uh, you can, I don't want to say you can be too compliant, but I think you have to weigh both operational objectives and safety objectives. And I think you can collaborate those two departments and the most successful companies I work with can do that, uh, successfully. Um, the ones that take, um, uh, operational objectives to the extreme or safety objectives to the extreme, extreme without, you know collaborating with the other i think that's really where you can go wrong because i think you need both sides and you need consideration from from both pieces of that Interesting. Well,
2: hey, roll that strap work compilation. I, I want to talk about this a little bit because this is this is a big area where not only because you like what well, I was talking with Mike before, right? He was talking about company compliance and public compliance. This is like that public compliance right there, keeping the roadways safe from drivers who don't know how to strap their stuff properly. And um, we see this all too often, especially on LinkedIn. If you follow me, but why? Like, why are there so many errors, especially there? Like that kills me with the coils. That's going right. If you screw up, you're going to kill yourself.
7: Well, I think, you know, we've talked about a little bit about the masonry thing. And, um, Mason, my, in my opinion, Mason contractors are probably one of the more careless in this regard. Uh, you lost the mixer, I think, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago. And, um, I, I think some of it is just a general knowledge base issue, a training issue. Um, but there's, to me, you have certain drivers that need a little bit more mental dexterity. And I think one piece of that is, or one mode of that is flatbed carriers, um, people that have that exposed cargo. You've got um, hazmat carriers, maybe tankers that need to understand math a little bit more. In most cases, because you know, in the summer you can't fill an LPG tank um, over eighty-five percent because the heat's going to make it expand. So you have you have some driver positions that I think need a little more mental dexterity, and even then, I think they still need um, a more focused training program.
2: How like fleets, when they teach people how to strap, for example, like how long is the average fleet training someone on doing that? Is that all done during like your two week uh, co- like pro- uh, initiation program with the company? Or is this something that you, you keep learning as you go?
7: Well, I think you're going to keep learning a lot as you go. You know, I when I was a driver. So one of the one of the reasons I really take cargo securement seriously, and I think you could probably still find it down in Chesapeake, Virginia's uh, traffic court system. I got my first ticket. Uh, and, and, a CMV, I want to say this maybe 2005, so it's probably not on the system anymore. Um, but we had a different guy loading and they loaded the truck weird. I kind of said, Hey, there's something wrong here. Maybe we shouldn't go down the road like this. And when I made a left-hand turn, uh, we had a load of cinder block that fell off the truck onto a Nissan and just crushed it. The entire wow. front hood of this Nissan. So I got ticketed, obviously, for failure to secure load. It was a big claim deal. And that was kind of my first big um, in-your-face introduction to cargo securement. And, you know, I I learned a lot from that. And then going through my life as a driver and then managing companies, you know, you pick up a lot of different things. But I think you still have to have that really deep dive introduction into, you know, North American cargo security, uh, securement standard and 393 and really break down what these things are. And what's required in them is terms of load limits and making sure that what you're using can withstand the forces associated with, you know, decel, excel, pitch, roll, yaw. It's you have to understand these things. And I think that's where I I come from when I when I say they need a little bit more mental dexterity, because a lot of times you use the word pitch, roll, yaw, and a lot of people are just going to look at you like you're crazy.
2: How do you, yeah, it sounds like you're flying an airplane, right? Like, this isn't flight yeah. simulator. I'm just putting straps on something. But straps are complicated. Right. For example, like, when you, when you go, you were a driver, you went out, you eyeballed the load. How would you, like, how would you determine how this needs to be secured?
7: Well, I think the first thing you have to look at, is, anything that I'm going to drive, I like to look at the center of gravity. I mean, no matter what that's going to be. And you want everything to be as centered as possible. And then you would need to know the actual weight of, of what you're hauling. And... The the weight's going to dictate everything from the type of tie down you're going to use, how many you're going to use. Um, it's going to basically determine everything because you want to control, um, you want to be able to control what the forces of energy are going to be as they as they're uh, as they're applied to your load under deceleration, acceleration, um, whether that's to a lateral, rearward, or forward direction. So you've got to be able to control that. And a lot of these that you see in these rolls they have specific limits. So if the role is over 5,000 pounds, it has specific guidelines of how that role needs to be secured and what it needs to be secured with. And then you also have the consideration of, yeah, you may tie it down correctly, but what, how are you doing it in a way to where it doesn't become unsecured while you're driving it down the road?
2: Interesting. You know, I was just reading this week that, they are. Uh, they. The government is trying to to push through. Um, I forget the name of this. I wish I did because it just it just came back into my mind. But they're trying to do it so they can do uh, roadside inspections that you don't stop or so. They want to put vi- they want to put vehicle ID on every truck, and yeah. they can scan your truck as it's going by, and they can read any number of things. And it will ping you if you if you need to pull over. But what this means is that they're gonna. It said they're gonna cl- they're gonna collect ten times, tenfold more data. So this means that fleets like they're in they're in a lot more danger. Now drivers are in a lot more danger now of getting pulled over, uh, for maybe some ticky tacky stuff and they have to be a lot, m- lot more aware of what's going on with their vehicle. Don't they?
7: Yeah. And and that was one of the things that I, w- I was on another podcast talking about this for our, uh, the road check, you know, one of the things it's not just surviving the road check it's you can avoid a road check in some cases. I mean, you l- people like to think that, you know, you have equal opportunity as every other driver out there to be pulled over into a roadside and get inspected, but It's not really the case, you know, because I can go and I can drive down the highway and say, hey, that truck looks ugly. That's load securement looks absolutely terrible. And it's going to make me a target. I can see that from a ways off that, hey, I want to go look at this truck uh, and I want to check their load. And then I want to check their logbook and it can just go down this rabbit hole of, you know, never ending roadside violations. So a lot of it's making sure that you're doing the right things, even if it's from an appearance perspective, um, to avoid that—that that almost inevitable inspection, but it can it can help you by when you pass those things to make sure that it's right.
2: Yeah, what's the blind spot? What's a blind spot that you're seeing constantly out there that you wish people were fixing, and and it's driving you crazy?
7: Well, I think one of them is anytime, and it's partially with cars, uh, cars and trucks. It's are equally responsible, I think. On both sides of the truck right is obviously worse side than the driver's side but you know cars will hang out there and i i think i posted a video last year of you know who's at fault for this it, it didn't actually become an, an accident but you had this truck that just hung out right there in the right blind spot and it's like they just had no knowledge of where they were or that they were even in the blind spot so speed up slow down but that right side is definitely always going to be the worst for general purposes but You know, there's others that you see, you know, I've done passenger as well. And probably one of the most dangerous for passenger is the rear of of any passenger vehicle, because it's anything pretty much in the first hundred feet behind that vehicle that's, you know, in the center, you're not going to see. So it just depends, I I think, in some cases on on mode of transportation as well, what type of vehicle, what type of load. Interesting.
2: What kind of advice do you give people going into the holiday? I kind of asked Mike about this and I was curious from, from your perspective too. Um, you got, like he said, there's been reductions in staff. Uh, you got people who are taking time off. You don't have as many eyeballs on issues right here. So what should drivers do to protect themselves?
7: Well, I think the biggest thing with drivers is always going to be the defensive driving piece. You're, you're really driving for other people. And it, you know, one of the questions I ask ask drivers is how good a driver do you think you are? And you can think you're the best driver in the world. Obviously that, you know, our perception of how we drive is subjective, but one of the biggest things that you need to look out for and anticipate is the actions of other drivers, because this is one of the busiest weekends that people go out, they get intoxicated, they're going to be all over the place. You might have some of those videos after this weekend where the car is coming at you on the interstate in the wrong direction, but just be aware, situational awareness, space awareness, and be prepared to not only anticipate it, but to act. and Give yourself that time, visibility to, to make sure that you're compensating for other terrible drivers on the roadways.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like you can't be that narcissistic as a driver thinking that you're a good driver. You've got to worry about everyone else around you. It doesn't matter how good you drive. If everyone else in Atlanta is hopped up on fireball, the shots of fireball, <laughs> driving around over Fourth of July weekend, right? Like, you, yeah. you got to account but, for
7: that. It is, and it's a big thing, you know. um, I don't know the I don't know the the statistics right offhand for uh, July Fourth weekend, but I I I imagine that they're high. This weekend, uh, this morning, a uh, another driver messaged me and said, "Hey, 58 in Virginia is hot today. 22 state troopers from Norfolk to Emporia, uh, the traffic ticket speeding capital of the world. Uh, That's a lot for you know an hour drive." So they're out already in force because obviously they're going to anticipate what you should be anticipating people not driving and not doing what they should be doing to make sure that they're as safe as you are. So you have to anticipate that. Prepare yourself and have good situational awareness. That's the biggest thing. Visibility, situational awareness.
2: Rob, greatest American hero, I've been asked, well, greatest American hero character. These are all fictional, except for some reason Dolly Parton's on there. I don't know why Four Loko put Dolly Parton there, but you got Captain America, you got Dolly Parton, you got Mel Gibson of the Patriot, Kenny Powers, Will Smith in Independence Day, Rocky, Maverick, Jack Bauer.
7: I'm going to side with Jack Bauer, too. Ooh,
2: all right. It's, all, it's been all Maverick and Jack Bauer this show, with one vote for Rocky. Yeah. Oh, the guys in the back picked Dolly Parton, I guess. All right. Well, Rob, people want to reach out to you. Where do I send them to?
7: Uh, Carpentercompliance.com and all my information's there, and we'll see what we can do for you. If not, we'll send you somewhere else. Hey, well, you have a safe,
2: happy, healthy 4th of July weekend, sir. You too. Take it easy. All right, before we go, everybody, it's Friday, so good news, bad news. Uh, The bad news and
4: good news.
2: Fox just doesn't want to cooperate with me today. Hope they're okay. Uh, Iowa Inferno. Let's take a look at this video here. Bad news. This is like what we were just talking about. There was an awful accident in Iowa. Look at this Inferno right here. Look at that. And he's going to drive by here, and you're seeing this one truck, but keep watching. I mean, that thing is smoldering, but it gets even worse as you go down the road here. You saw those packages. Who cares about those at this moment? But look at this. There's another semi right here that collided with a four-wheeler, and those are both on fire looks terrible right that's the good news on i-80 when this happened on wednesday davenport only minor injuries miraculously miraculously look at those firefighters too that guy doesn't even know where to start awful drive safe we don't want any of these videos from over the weekend showing up all right here we go we got bad news you are an infertile queen bee and the hive wants you dead good news this
1: beekeeper's arrived This is one of the most brutal things I have seen in the beekeeping world, it's called queen balling. This is when honeybees make the decision to kill a queen because she is not laying eggs any longer or is an imposter from another hive. They do this by forming a tight ball around the queen and vibrating their wings to turn up their body temperature that will inevitably suffocate her. They're also biting and stinging her along the way. I was shocked when I caught this on camera, so I decided to pick up the ball of bees and save the queen. I gently rolled the bees around with my fingers, slowly pulling away the honeybees. I did take a few bee stings while saving the queen, but I didn't even notice the pain. If you listen closely, you can hear her piping, and that is her desperate attempt to be saved from her dethroning.
2: would Would you do it? Would you save the queen? Would God save the queen? Bee people are built different. That lady's like, she's rubbing her fingers on bees over here. She's like, yeah, I got stung a few times, but I uh, just shrugged it, shrugged it right off. Well, good on her, and glad the queen could live. I wonder if she was an imposter or she was infertile. She said it could be either one. I'm going with imposter. All right. Well, I don't want to, you know, slander that queen. Anyways, good news. You finally secured your dumpster. But here's the bad news. This raccoon does not care. This is like the great outdoors. Look at this guy. Look at him. <laughs> Honey, I'm home. I love him right here. What are you right on there? Hopping out of the cab after a long week on the road. It's from the Freight Bandit. Freight Bandit. I, li- I like your meme, but I think I like that raccoon even more. All right, guys. It's the 4th of July. Good news. It's the 4th of July. Bad news. It might go down like this party. Let's hope so. Let's see a little firework safety here. Or firework unsafety. <laughs> oh, it's going to be right here. When I was a kid in Staten Island, we used to, like, shoot fireworks at, like, I'd go to my uncle's house, and we'd, like, shoot fireworks at a neighbor's house, and they'd like, shoot him back. He's crazy. Oh, look at that. Tire back of the SUV just set off. Happy birthday, America. That's what I love it. Do the it's unsafe to man, fireworks? No way. What country do we have? If we, don't, if we don't have that kind of stuff happening in your driveway. Take it easy, everybody. Have a happy 4th of July. You can find me. At Timothy Dooner on Twitter, LinkedIn. Find the show on TikTok. TikTok Superstar. Over 30,000 followers. Uh, FW What the Truck. FW What the Truck on Twitter. Take it easy. Take care. Don't be a stranger.